Picture a vast deep blue ocean. There are many fish swimming within the water. Some good, some bad. The clouds now turn dark gray. There is a stormy overcast, and you know that something is wrong, but you can't tell quite what. Suddenly, you see a shark fin emerge from the surface of the water and quickly disappear. Like the predators of the sea, there are much smaller predators that can cause serious harm in our bodies. Bacteria. Always present within us, some good and some bad, bacteria float around. When bacteria enter our bloodstream, they are often masters of disguise, causing us to feel very ill without revealing their exact location. Bacteremia is a serious condition, and if it is not caught in time, it can sink its teeth into you and lead to life-threatening illness. Today, our patient has a bloodstream infection, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Intranet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is on bacteremia, entitled Bugs in Our Blood. Okay, let's start off with our minute microbiology. In bacteremia, oftentimes, the quantity of bacteria in the blood is low. In addition, bacteremia is usually intermittent. For this reason, it is important to obtain multiple blood cultures from at least two different sites, ideally before antibiotics are given, or as soon as possible following antibiotic administration, although antibiotics should never be delayed for this purpose. If the patient has an indwelling line, you should obtain at least one blood culture from the line, as this in itself may be a source of infection. In addition, there are many bacterial organisms which are part of the local flora of the skin, such as coagulase negative staphylococcus. These native bacteria can sometimes contaminate blood culture specimens. This is another reason to take two cultures from two different sites. Blood cultures are sent to the microbiology lab, where they are routinely incubated for a total of five days. Blood cultures for HACIC organisms? True fungal blood cultures, or TB, will require longer incubation. So if you're worried about these organisms, it is important to note this on the specimen that you send to the laboratory. Most clinical detectable bacteria will be reported within 48 hours. If there is a bacterial growth in a blood culture, a gram stain is performed. The bacteria is seen under a microscope, and the culture of the gram stain, purple for gram-positive and red for gram-negative, as well as the shape of the bacteria, will be reported by the lab. This result will be reported first, before the exact type of bacteria are identified. The culture is then incubated in order to get bacterial growth for identification, as well as determining sensitivities to antibiotics. The antibiotics that are effective against the bacteria will then be communicated to the hospital team. Alright, so now that we've talked about basic microbiology, let's talk about the approach. 
You are on call overnight and receive a call for a critical test result. I'm just calling to let you know that your patient has grown gram-positive cocci in groups after 15 hours. Would you like me to do anything? What do you do now? How do you approach this case? Remember that any patient should be assessed for stability before moving on with your approach. Questions you might ask are, is this patient stable? What are their vitals? Particularly, you want to know if the patient is febrile, which may be a sign of infection. If the patient is tachycardic, tachypnic, has decreased oxygen saturations, or is hypotensive, they may have a serious infection, or sepsis. If you are worried, contact your SMR for help. Once you've assured yourself that the patient is stable, then you can move on with your assessment. The treatment for bacteremia is intravenous or IV antibiotics, but first you must decide if it is appropriate to treat at all. Ask yourself, how likely is it that this culture is from contaminant bacteria? First, take a quick look at the patient's admitting diagnosis and find out why the blood cultures were ordered. Then, you should use the patient's clinical status, current antimicrobial coverage, previous cultures, type of organism grown, time to positivity, for example, how long the blood cultures took to yield bacteria, the longer it took in most circumstances, the less the bacterial load, and the more likely it is to be a contaminated sample, and the number of positive blood cultures to determine whether the culture is a contaminant or not. First, let's assess our patient's clinical status. If your patient is very sick, in a step-down unit or ICU, neutropenic, immunosuppressed, or fulfills sepsis criteria, then you should have a very low threshold to treat a positive gram stain with empiric broad antibiotics that will most likely cover against the suspected organism. Knowledge of antimicrobial activity of various classes of antibiotics will come in handy here. Next, check the patient's previous cultures. Perhaps this patient has a known bloodstream infection and they are already on the appropriate antibiotics. If this is the first positive culture and the patient has not had a clinical change in status, then this may be a contaminant. Now, let's look at the type of organism grown. A culture growing yeast cells should be taken very seriously, as without treatment, some fungemias can have mortality rates of up to 50%. In general, Staphylococcus aureus, E. coli, Pseudomonas, and Streptococcus pneumoniae cultures are contaminants less than 1% of the time. If the preliminary result says gram-positive cocci in pairs and chains, take this very seriously. Any culture suspicious for these organisms should be treated immediately, even if only one culture is positive. In contrast, coagulase-negative staphylococci are contaminants almost 80% of the time. For a patient with gram-positive cocci in groups, the culture could speciate into either Staphylococcus aureus, which we said is rarely a contaminant, or coagulase-negative Staphylococcus, which we said is often a contaminant, making our decision to treat here particularly difficult. You can also check how long the bacteria took to grow on the cultures. As a rule of thumb, if it took less than 20 hours to grow, this may be a true infection. If two blood cultures were both taken at the same time from two separate areas and both are positive, this points more towards a true infection. 
In fact, the chance of contamination in this case are less than one in a thousand. You ask some more questions about your patient. If your patient is clinically stable, has no other positive cultures, and grew gram-positive cocci in groups in one out of two cultures after 27 hours, it may be appropriate to wait for the cultures to further speciate and not administer antibiotics overnight. But let's say our patient is different. They are febrile at 39.1 degrees Celsius and tachycardic with a heart rate of 102. They are not on any antibiotics, have no previous positive cultures, and grew gram-positive cocci in two out of two cultures after eight hours. This is the type of patient that should be treated with empiric antibiotics right away. Which antibiotics should you choose? When choosing your empiric antibiotics, think of five things. One, does your patient have any medication allergies? Two, where do you think the infection is coming from? With a respiratory infection, you would be concerned about covering different organisms in contrast to a skin infection. If you're worried about meningitis, only some antibiotics will penetrate the CNS. Three, does this patient have any risk factors for resistant infections? For example, are they MRSA colonized? Have they been in the hospital for multiple months? Are you worried about a pseudomonas infection? Four, what are your hospital's local antibiotic resistance trends? Check your local hospital's antibiogram. And five, how sick is your patient? Your patient has no antibiotic allergy. You're not quite sure where the infection is coming from. They have no risk factors for growing resistant organisms, and they are quite sick. After checking the patient's renal function, it would be reasonable to administer cefazolin, 2 grams IV every 8 hours, for MSSA coverage, and vancomycin, 1 gram IV every 12 hours, for MRSA coverage. Within the next 48 hours, you can expect the full culture report stating if the bacteria is Staphylococcus aureus or coagulase-negative Staphylococcus, and whether or not it is methicillin-susceptible or not. With this new information, you can adjust your antibiotic management to minimize medication risk to the patient and act as good antibiotic stewards. Let's take a quick moment to go over the appropriate investigations for a patient with bacteremia. With our patient, it would be appropriate to do a pan culture to try to find the source of infection. This means that you should take a CBC, another set of blood cultures, urine, sputum, or wound cultures if possible, and appropriate radiological imaging based on their symptoms, such as a chest x-ray. Okay, now time for our medicine minute. To finish off our talk on bacteremia, let's debunk a common infectious disease myth. Your patient is febrile at 37.9 degrees Celsius. Is this a true fever? Most infectious disease physicians will say no. According to the IDSA febrile neutropenia guidelines, the threshold for a fever in a neutropenic patient is one reading of a temperature of 38.3 degrees Celsius or higher or a temperature of 38 degrees Celsius, twice, recorded one hour apart. 
most physicians use these guidelines when treating non-neutropenic patients as well. Identifying a true fever can be vital in the workup and decision you make when treating a positive blood culture. Today's episode entitled Bugs in Your Blood, a podcast on bacteremia. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by myself, Dr. Zara Morali, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Zane Chagla, infectious disease specialist, and Dr. Arhaz Wine, general internal medicine physician. Music by Laxman Vizantha Mohan. The Internet Work series is created by Alison Lai and developed by Leah Karanopoulos and Zara Morali and is overseen by Dr. Daniel Brant Vegas. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at theinternetwork.com. This is The Internet Work and please tune in again soon.